0: Sir Baldwin, Brass, and Carson Stu Lee. This is Fangraph Studio. My guest on this edition of Fangraph Studio, making his fortnightly appearance in the program. This is fortnightly appearance. The former Pirates beat reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune-Review, and also author of Big Data Baseball. It's Travis Sochik, It's the prolific Travis Sochik. On this edition of the program, as he does every two weeks, Travis Sochik joins us from his hamlet in the Midwest, from a small, picturesque hamlet in the Midwest, to discuss a game of baseball. A particular note in this case, an experiment that Sawchik performed for the benefit of Fangraph's readers, an attempt to build a team populated only by free agents. How much would one have to spend to record, for example, 87 wins? And what, if anything, does that say about this offseason this winter, which has, of course, been the slowest in recorded history? The slowest since free agency began, is what I mean to say. Uh, Let's see, moving on. Oh, an anecdote, a very compelling anecdote by Travis Satchik about a paper for which he once worked, at which a spreadsheet of every employee's salary was accidentally disseminated to every employee. Satchik was able to examine not only, of course, his own salary, but those of all his co-workers. I not only about the episode in particular, uh, but we, uh, we learned perhaps what it might say about how the salaries of ballplayers themselves are available publicly. Some conversation about tanking, not in real, actual baseball, but in the fictional universe of the BBWAA League and Horrible Dynasty. Some further attempts to locate Travis Sochik's personal residence by means of triangulation also appears in this edition of the program. And finally, uh, we get to hear uh, Travis Sochik's reaction, real-time reaction, when he found out that as part of his new contract, new Fangraphs writer Jay Jaffe gets to stay in a suite of his own on the road.
1: It created some animosity in the office place, I would say.
0: It is. Travis Sochick, incensed about the contractual terms of Jay Jaffe. Uh, We will get to that conversation with Travis Sochick momentarily. First, it's both my pleasure and also my professional obligation to note that Fangraphs memberships exist for a reasonable sum. Readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears at that site for a slightly less reasonable sum those same readers if they so choose can acquire an ad free membership which allows one to browse fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads not only facilitating faster loading speeds but also liberating one from the tyranny of advertising and the distortive effects of advertising fangraphs membership and ad free membership available at fangraphs.com by going there and then clicking around Okay, uh, let us now move on to the conversation with Travis Sajic. Uh What is it? It is Fangraph sadio. Who does it feature the prolific and darling but also prolific Travis Satchik? And when does it begin? Right now.
1: Barnes & Noble cafe working
0: okay <laughs> um, you actually cited that that uh, same that exact same Barnes & Noble location I believe recently uh, uh, you had taken a copy of um, Ron Chandler's forecaster off the shelf
1: <laughs> and I placed it back on the shelf yes I do I work often there so I I, I hope they stay in business I saw they I think they just went through a round of layoffs and a little, I'm a little concerned about booksellers across the country so, yeah, uh, I do my part to try to keep them in business.
0: Yeah. Now, is this uh, is this Barnes and Noble, uh, Crocker Park?
1: It is. Okay. Uh, it's a. Uh, you
0: just get out there on Detroit Road and follow that up to to the corner of uh, Detroit and Crocker. You
1: could. And I occasionally take that route. It's one of these kind of outdoor malls that have been popular and mm-hmm. uh, being built the last I don't know fifteen years. And I'm not a huge mall guy, but it's a nice mall and so it feels like you're in a town. It's like a town setting. Yeah, okay, right. Kind of it's, a It's uh, probably sure. not unlike Bath, Maine. No, no, no. no. Well,
0: uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I might have to contradict you on that front, but um but you know, this uh this facility though is not so bad. Uh you can go right over there to the Regal Cinemas. It's all there, man. Yep. <laughs> Bar Louie. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a there's a Trader Joe's over there. There's a Trader Joe's. Do Trader Joe's locations uh, in the delay? I do do. You don't call it the Lake Region. What do you call that area of Ohio? I mean, do you have a do you have a name?
1: The the west side of Cleveland.
0: I don't know. Yeah, sure. well, sure. We'll say it's for that for the sake of this. Yeah,
1: this is in West Lake, Ohio, and actually a number of athletes live back in Crocker Park because there are condos and apartments and corporate living, I guess. So now do you uh, I, I've do come across a ball player too who lives back there, so yeah, it's a it's a happening place.
0: Does that a Trader Joe's place. location uh does that offer wine and beer?
1: It does. Good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The Pensil- yeah, Pennsylvania has these weird liquor alcohol laws. So you when I was in Pittsburgh couldn't get the, the two buck chuck and the other offerings at Trader Joe's, but in Ohio we can.
0: I have recently become acquainted with a with a weblog, a website known as Reverse Wine Snob. Oh yeah, are you familiar with that? <laughs> I'm not. No, well, uh, it is. A, um... It sounds useful. Yes, it is, yeah. and uh, I I apologize immediately for not knowing the proprietor's name. However, I, I can say that he provides some useful information, and. Some of them might be of some interest to uh graph because, uh, not unlike front offices of the twenty the, of the early twenty first century, what this particular author is interested in is finding values. So he <laughs> wants to find he wants to find production relative to right. cost. Yeah, and so, uh, but he has an entire section on uh, well, first of all, on Costco on wines available at Costco, uh, but he has another section on wines available exclusively at Trader Joe's. Wow. Yeah. Here, let me send you the link right now. Yeah. This will be of some interest. This will be great use. I just sent you the link via this uh, via via our chat interface, via our our recording interface. Do you see that?
1: I do. I have it. Do you click on it? It is loading. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. So I can leave Barnes & Noble, and I can walk down to Trader Joe's, and I can pick up.
0: Any number of great wines. Yeah. And I'm going to send you one more link at the same site, okay, Travis? This is a link. I'm. I'm actually interested in how you feel about this. This is a link to his rating system. Okay. <laughs> now you're gonna have to click on it, and then it will load. Okay. But if you go down, you'll see. You'll see uh, a bunch of uh, red and green and this sort of thing. Let me know when you're there. I'll. <laughs> I'll occupy myself in the meantime. <laughs> Chris. You got it there, Travis Sawchek. Uh. Did you click on that link? Here we go. Sorry. Yeah. All right. Do you see this? uh, It's a matrix of sorts, isn't it?
1: Is this link not taking me in the right spot?
0: Where are you going? Where are you?
1: Okay. Here we go. I see it. Okay. Okay. All right. You have your value rating based on bottle price. Mm Mm-hmm. Taste rating.
0: Scroll a little bit down. Yeah, you see that, right? Yes. Okay. So we have, yeah. So it's uh, what he does essentially is he, um, in this matrix here, we see on the... uh, well I guess it's what's the x axis is is taste rating yes and the and the y is cost rating and he uh obviously the taste rating is somewhat subjective the the cost rating he's put it he's placed it into buckets starting with six and going all the way up to uh twenty and over and six dollars or or less i guess would be a rating of ten for cost and then twenty or more would be a zero and he has identified a certain uh, selection of these wines which appear which occur in the upper left-hand corner, where cost and taste are at peak value, or the maximum. And uh, these are these are what he refers to. Well, he refers to them as bulk buys. Uh, that, that's the best you can do, though. So what you're going to do <laughs> I is... Have, I have
1: done a bulk buy at Trader Joe's before.
0: Of what What? Uh, what Of what brand or style?
1: Uh, I think just when we were going back in the PA once, I got like 12 bottles and uh, put them in the car. Leaving Ohio and it might have appeared that I had some sort of drinking problem or was hosting an event or was mm-hmm. a restaurant tour. But uh, no, I was doing a bulk buy because we weren't <laughs> going to be in the state for a while. And,
0: uh, <laughs> did, did, did you pick a selection of wines or was it... Uh, I thought it was the Charles,
1: mostly Charles Shaw.
0: Mostly Charles uh, Shaw, yeah. Yeah. And what varietal do you prefer of the Charles Shaw? <laughs>
1: you know? I'm not a huge wine drinker, but... uh. <laughs> Does Charles Shaw even have, like, varieties, or is it just white or red? It's like Sorley's in New York City. If you're dark and you're light, if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're red and you're white. I don't know. Like, probably i am sure he has, like, a Cabernet and a yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm not always a big fan of uh, Chardonnays because they, they taste quite buttery to me, you know? Tastes like butter. They're oaked. It's an, it's one of the <laughs> few whites that's oaked. Yes. Yeah yeah if you're looking for hey i can give you some I, I love Travis. this rating
1: system though it's this is great
0: yeah i think that's great you gotta get those greens if you're looking for an unoaked chardonnay if you're interested in that you what you want to do is you want to go to chablis in france you're probably familiar with that term chablis it's it's the northernmost area of the burgundy region oh of course yeah, yeah. And, they don't, uh, and they do not uh they don't oak their chardonnay there hmm. what do they do they fermented in stainless stainless steel as opposed hmm. to um hmm. uh as opposed to oak and so it does not uh, take on the feeling no, now that that will give you that more vanilla and then the buttery sensation is from malolactic fermentation <laughs> do this you trust why, me
1: this is why i love coming on your your program yeah yeah <laughs> I, I learn something new every pot every episode <laughs>
0: it's a pleasure to speak with you travis oh yeah. It's a privilege.
1: Maybe it's just a obligation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, well, it's it's a bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. It could be two things at once, right? A lot of a lot of uh, phenomena in life. A lot of our life is two things at once. This weekend, when San Diego Padres signed Eric Hosmer to, I think I have the terms correct: eight years, one one forty four, eight years, hundred forty four million dollars contract. That's right. Did you think at all of uh, how erstwhile managing editor Dave Cameron had placed? <laughs> had placed Eric Hosmer at the top of his free agent landmines post, uh, not long before joining the San Diego Padres organization.
1: That did occur to me. Mm-hmm. It appears her tape's opinion was not valued <laughs> 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 in this in this circumstance.
0: Well, as Jeff Sullivan noted in his uh, in his very, in his very capable post on on that particular signing, there are in any front office there are always going to be multiple voices in the room. Uh, but, of course, ultimately, the, uh, the voice that most matters, I guess, is the GM's. Or the owners, perhaps. Well, yes. The owner has to consent to a signing of that nature.
1: Yeah, and I would be curious to really know that GM's honest appraisal and the owner's involvement and opinion. Mm-hmm. Because we, uh, I think, I authored a post, and you might have suggested or shared the information that the Padres owner had got on the, a local radio show and uh and admitted he'd he'd met Hosmer he'd been involved in the process, and it sounded perhaps like Scott Boris was doing another patented end around mm-hmm. the uh the right flank of the front office going directly <laughs> to the owner suite, as he has successfully done with the nationals and and the, the tigers, tigers maybe yeah uh, with the late mike illich yeah so and I and in this market it's it's hard if Scott Boris has the ability to do that it's hard to it's a smart prudent maneuver on his
0: mm-hmm. uh, we don't know of course we don't know for sure and I should be clear uh, I was not uh, that was not based on any insider no. information my my uh, my knowledge of that radio program it was uh, simply I think it, it had been a link at com. and they do great work over there I think
1: we know that. I believe you, it was your best work in theory is, is oh, well was, I I well
0: I also <laughs> thought it was not outside of the <laughs> it was not outside of the uh, the realm of possibility
1: Yes,, but it was from MLB Trade Rumors. I guess it shows you the reach of MLB trade rumors. They even transcribe radio
0: radio programs nuggets
1: yeah. of information for radio programs.
0: Well, probably the, probably <laughs> the, um, the authors at MLB Trade Rumors, not unlike many of the authors at Fangraphs.com, have have been searching wildly for any pretense of content. <laughs> and uh, so they you know, they probably assumed that at that stage, a transcription of a radio interview was about as it was about the hottest content they'd be able to produce at that time. Yeah, yeah.
1: but yeah, it was interesting that Padres hired our our former colleague to run their analytics department, as mm-hmm. I understand it, and he had to, to help.
0: Co- I think no, in Cameron's words, to help build out the to analysis, help build out re- research department. Okay. I think he was very clear on that because they already have in um. Analyst there, so I think he wanted to be very clear that he was um, merely helping them to expand their research and development. Helping,
1: yeah, okay, yeah. But this was we have the inter- we had the interesting insight in this case where Cameron had publicly made a position known. He goes behind the, the closed doors, the veil of the front office, and the team makes X decision. So I guess it shows that decision sciences perhaps are not. Making every decision that front offices make, and or maybe there's a different opinion from the existing analytics staff within the Padres, but I think the largely held view inside our, within our community is that maybe giving Eric Hosmer an eight-year deal wasn't the most efficient use of resources.
0: Well, yeah, and and probably right, probably not the most the most efficient use of resources for a team that is not projected to be particularly competitive in 2018.
1: Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of it's an unusual signing, and I understand some have made the case why it makes sense for the Padres. One, it's they have money to spend, and given their lack of competitiveness and kind of forgotten about, they feel like a forgotten about club just with their West Coast position and lack of tradition and and all that. So mm-hmm. maybe it's hard for them to give their money away. So so they found a a player willing to take it, and he's a player who he's a younger free agent. And if he, I think he does have upside. And let's say he becomes one of these swing change guys, becomes a more productive, prolific offensive player. Then they could actually have a, a star level player locked up in a club friendly deal, potentially. And they also might be of the belief that they're about to come of age as a club. And here's a clubhouse leader, younger, in his prime player who can grow with their considerable wealth of young talent that is either at the big leagues or she near it
0: he wouldn't have to i mean he has been quite good in certain seasons right and then if you and, and this has always been the and i don't know if it's the same degree as christian yelich but of course yelich has a bit more defensive value doesn't he
1: um, he does yeah and he's a little younger
0: yeah so but but in, the offensive profile is similar in the sense that both players have been productive despite the fact that they do not at all have anything like the ideal swing plane. They put the ball on the ground a lot and yet they've uh, had some success doing so e- even while doing so. So you say there is this uh, possibly there is this whole uh, untapped area that they could be exploring offensively. But of course, y- you know, this is not a this is not a generic fix either. Every uh, every player is different and therefore, you know, uh, it's uh, bound to change. Now, I will say one thing is that and I don't know I uh, have to be very careful here because I don't know if this is simply based off of unadjusted figures because he's a free agent or if it's projected to the royal stadium or if it's now projected to Padre Stadium however, what I will say is that by steamers that by but according to steamer Hosmer is projected and this is not something that usually occurs, he's projected to record the the highest isolated power figure of his career. The highest mark he produced was last year's, which was 179. That is his slugging percentage minus his batting average. He is projected by Steamer to produce a 190 this next year, and also to hit 25 home runs, which would tie his career high. And uh, that's uh, unusual, that sort of projection. Yeah.
1: I mean, if he has that kind of season, and that Steamer's projecting two and a half wins... And we expect that to be his level going forward, and it's it's not a bad contract for the club. And he, Hosmer's a guy who makes contact; he doesn't strike out much, and I think he he impacts the ball pretty well. He just does it into the ground like all the time. So yeah, it's something. I don't that just bothers me. I want a guy like with his size and power potential <laughs> get the ball in the air, man, or at least hit more line drives. Uh, he's not. Operating as efficiently as he could, and he's shown yeah. like an unwillingness to change or to experiment, which also bothers me. And I would, I would just have a hard. I believe there's more in there. There's more consistency, but I really wouldn't want to give eight years with the hope that that's in there. Like yeah. I, I'd want to know that that's in there.
0: Now you now you say you wouldn't give eight years. That's you're just thinking of yourself <laughs> uh, as a, as an owner, maybe in you know Ron Fowler's position. Yes. Yeah, so, Dave Chairman, now now you recently took the opportunity. What you're witnessing here is a flawless segue, Travis (laughs) Sachik. So please observe. You recently took the opportunity to construct a team of your own, didn't you? I did. Uh, Using a game. Proposed and also facilitated by community blog contributor Stephen. And uh, uh, allow me to butcher the last name. Allow me. <laughs> <laughs> allow me. Allow me to fend not only this uh, this young man, I presume, uh, but also all of his ancestors. Uh, Stephen Coelho, Coelho. Ko-hello, Coello. In any case, uh, he has provided an opportunity for Fangrass readers, etc., uh, to construct a team, and you you went ahead and I don't know if you necessarily did it in the spirit that he suggested, but you you invented your own fantasy, didn't you?
1: I didn't really follow his rules per se. No, but, but you know why? But <laughs> but I,
0: I think what we what do we know about Travis Sotric? He doesn't follow anyone's rules no, except his own. No,
1: that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you have a tattoo uh, that
0: says just that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But I, I took his idea and I kind of twisted it. Right. So but but the exercise, the thought exercise was, <laughs> is you know, how much talent is really left out? Is there so much talent available that there's like a competitive ball club if you wanted to hypothetically build one from scratch? And how expensive would that club be? How inefficient really is free agency? Which I think we know the answer from the club's perspective. And it was also just a good way to kill some time for people at work or wherever yeah, they well, might be.
0: I mean, to be to be clear, that's All of Fangraph's readers.
1: (laughs) That's our major purpose. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Page reviews are – the bulk of our page reviews come from people who are avoiding work.
1: Yeah. No one – once people go home, they don't visit Fangraphs, and they shouldn't, right? But at work. Yeah, yeah. This is a great place to erode your company's efficiency. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we' we're a, we a website about efficiency, but yet we're sapping the america work the american workforce's efficiency At well I the think we should be it. clear
0: that they would <laughs> it would probably be sapped and anyway we just we want to be first in line for how for how that uh for how that time is squandered yes
1: yeah, so yeah, Hosmer was on that team and I went by i think by the community contributors rules had laid out that I can't remember how you would filled it. I stocked the team through our depth chart projections of who would be the most productive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't go by necessarily the highest salary. I went by the most productive player. And it was, I think it projected to be like an 84-win team at like a $240 million payroll. So I don't know what that ultimate finding tells us. Yeah, you, there's still a lot of, there's a, I think it, what it tells us actually is that there's a historic amount of, talent available in early February. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's more than most teams would want to pay for it, which is... I guess... Although I
0: think it, com- it comes out to... It came out to a little bit less than $7 million per win for, at least for 2018. Yeah. Which is still, I mean, relative to what you uh, one typically finds in free agency in, well, I mean, at least in recent years. Uh, we can't speak to this year yet fully. That, uh, you know, that's still... Uh, that's better than has been the case, I guess, from the team's point of view in the past. Hey, it's hard to, to speak with any certainty, of course, about value—you know, wins per per dollar—at this point because of the uh, the um, unique circumstances of this off season. So, I maybe mean, you have to agree with that, right?
1: I yeah, I do. Uh, there, right. there's Appreciate quite it. a bit of uncertainty out there, and I think from the players' perspective, you'd say this is crazy. Is this collusion? What's going on? Are there so many players available? Uh, that are this talented, and from the club perspective, they would say, "See, a team built on free agents would be way over the luxury tax." Mm-hmm. And you know, I think Fangraphs has been accused of being too club friendly and viewing all transactions as a win or loss from the club perspective in the past. And I think mm-hmm. this off season, we've taken a closer look. I don't know if we've been more sympathetic toward, but we've certainly looked at things through the players' lens a little more often. I think, and we've also been criticized for doing that for having Scott Boras's talking points. Being the, <laughs> being you got those in the, way,
0: you got those in the mail, right
1: yeah, I got uh there are a few tough comment commenters uh <laughs> on several posts who made some allegations uh that are <laughs> I, I might take this opportunity to say that they're untrue uh, mm-hmm. that, that we have not been getting talking points I think what I've tried to how do use, we know
0: hey Travis, yes, how do we know that's not one of the talking points <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh this is a podcast about trust <laughs> so <laughs> You have to trust me on that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but yeah, I think we've as a journalist, one of the first things you would learn. I don't know if they still teach journalism the way things are going, but at not college campuses, I assume they do. But one of the first lessons is you're supposed to try to find objectivity in your reporting and writing, even though I, we approach things in, inherently with some sort of bias. Do your best to try to train that out of yourself, and at least speak to both someone from both camps of a particular topic and. I think we've done a pretty good job of that this offseason. Maybe some people would disagree, but I do think the players are right to have real concerns. And I, I think the public's ultimate concern, the people wasting their work efficiency on our website, well, they ultimately want to see the games be played, which is why I think it's, it is relevant. And I saw NLB Trade Rumors ran some sort of poll or, you know, whose who's side are you on or are players overpaid, something like that. And I think the general public opinion is that players are overpaid even at a time when owner profits are reportedly and allegedly at record highs. So it's interesting that even in this time, I Mm -hmm. think the majority of people still side or still look at players as greedy and overpaid, even when, I guess it depends on if you account for BAM tech revenues or as part of the Dover. Well, I I,
0: I think if we're talking about a general audience, I don't think that uh, a general audience would necessarily even consider the influence of BAM revenues or revenues at all. Right. I think that um right. I think that the dollar amounts are impressive. If I'm not mistaken, oh and it's very possible I am, uh but if I'm not mistaken, then it is true that the players union players unions, maybe across all sports, have actually considered it to their advantage in the past to have player salaries published. Because that way it would be easier perhaps I'm speculate speculating wildly, for other players to um you know, to understand what their Essentially to point to precedent more easily and uh, but I suppose it could work against players at the same time right
1: right you you want to know what you could, where should I set my bidding right? What dollar figure can I meet? right management does not want those figures to be known. I once worked at a newspaper where the, the database of every employee's salary was accidentally emailed out to everyone in the company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: made for interesting times. Well, uh, can you? Uh, <laughs> I, this is a, that's an interesting mistake. It is. Yeah. Um, now, did you? First of all, you're gonna have to be careful with your pen clicking, Travis. Right. Second of all, what was your first? Tell me about it. Tell me your first reaction. How did you discover this email? And what was your? Fir- what were the first steps you took? <laughs>
1: My first reaction was, "What is this?" And then, pray, "Holy!"
0: <laughs> uh, and then I what remember is the who, heading, what is the heading of such an email?
1: <laughs> yeah, it might have been like uh, employee payroll or number of figures or something like that. And it was one of the, the worst mistakes you could make if you're sending an email and it was you know, you reply all or to group instead of to individual.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: everyone in the audience, double check who yours then the a... recipient had earned your email. And then I remember I was in the office and I remember the printers started working and people were printing this out. Mm-hmm. And then supervisors, and then once a mistake was quickly realized, people in supervisor positions began coming around to workstations and having people delete the email. So, but I I bring this up to just show.
0: Now, did you did you look at did you look for your own entry first, or did you look? Oh, of course, I don't know if I really know that would be very informative because uh, presumably you you knew what your own salary was at the time. Right? Did you? <laughs> Did you look up one of maybe one of your hated co-workers uh, to see if he or she was, was earning more than yeah, you?
1: I think I was most interested in my peers because mm-hmm. that, that is a group you're competing against, I guess, when you're accepting jobs. And then I also looked at the highest salaried positions. And there's definitely a lot of, oh, my God, he or she makes this they, <laughs> and they do that. Yeah, it, cre- it created some animosity in the office place, I would say.
0: Did you act on, on this knowledge at all? I
1: don't think so. Remember, you titled a podcast. I had no leverage. I guess. Yeah, Travis I guess I, felt had I no leverage. I actually, I guess, I probably had some leverage in that situation, but like an idiot, I chose not to act upon it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, did you ever get your hands on a hard copy?
1: I don't think I ever printed it out. Okay. Oh, no. I was probably fearful that that could be traced back, and the eye of the big brother in the sky, or yeah, could uh, the eye of uh, your? They knew I'd be in possession of these documents. <laughs> As I tried to seal them into a silver suitcase and drop them somewhere.
0: Now, besides your own uh, responses to this, did, did you witness any other uh, notable responses? among You mentioned that your colleagues were printing them out. Did they take any uh, any steps to, uh, as far as you know? you
1: know? I don't know if anyone actually – I can't remember. Uh, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say what year it was because this could – people could triangulate the position of... You know, well, there's a lot of triangulation. <laughs> <workplace. that occurs. laughs> but I remember there. Yeah, this creates animosity in a workplace where people get jealous or feel they're underpaid. And I'm sure some people would use that in their next bargaining negotiating opportunity. But this does loosely tie into the fact that, you're right, players should want their salaries to be public. It allows them to maximize their uh, free market negotiation opportunities when they know what the top players are paid and what their peers are paid.
0: But as I was trying attempting to note that the the one, I don't I don't think it's necessarily an unintended consequence, but one possible side effect is that well, not only does you know does one player understand what his peers are making, but the public also sees what the players are making, and it uh, maybe becomes a bit easier for a dude sitting at home saying, well, he's playing a child's game. Why does he? uh, Why does he Uh, merit this sort of income?
1: So you believe part of the reason... Well, so it works against the players. Believe is a strong they, word for because, what I do about anything. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. No, no. So it actually... Even though the, the it has this negative side effect where mm-hmm. it allows the owners to become the sympathetic figures in a possible labor dispute. Mm-hmm. Because the fans don't see the owners often. right? The they see the players see regularly. And when you know what so-and-so is making $12 million, you, and you think he's an overpaid bum, he has a 102... <laughs> Waited for Inscribed Plus this season, yeah. So,
0: what would be the what do you think would be the consequences of the owners' salaries and or net worth being published?
1: <laughs> that would be fascinating. Like the Pirates fans found out that if they knew Bob Doughty was for for certain making sixty million dollars in pure profit this year, would that change their ticket, merchandise buying habits? Yeah, they, would they? I don't know. I, I think I wouldn't uh, help. If yeah, they I, found out that he was losing twenty million dollars, would they become more sympathetic to the, the decisions made to date by the front office?
0: Yeah, I also think that their numbers. When numbers reach a certain size, they become meaningless. I don't. I'm sure that uh, someone more intelligent than me has has held forth on this in, in a more rigorous way. But numbers of a certain size, I mean, I know I can speak from my own experience, they're just meaningless, you know? Like when there's discussion of the budget, for example, right? The, you know, the U.S. budget. Right. And uh, the figures being discussed are in the billions, you know, as a dude at home, I say, that that sounds like a lot. But the, every, But every number is the billions. That's so, why
1: they should also tell you that's like... Two million Toyotas, Corollas, or something. (laughs) You could buy twenty thousand semi-detached
0: homes. Oh, of course, that's budget expense. Great great fondness for semi-detached homes. (laughs) Uh, We also do it in uh, bottles of Charles Shaw. (laughs) Yes, and
1: then you say, "Oh, now it makes sense."
0: Now it makes sense. Yeah, 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 that's the epiphany.
1: But yeah, I know. I I I can relate to that. Yes, once. It, it's hard to have some context or emotional attachment when a number becomes so large.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you have, of course, dedicated some portion of this program to you talking about your, a sort of f- fantasy realm in which you were serving as an owner of a fake team, right? That's right. And you were going to give away, what, $245 million of your own dollars to a team exclusively of free agents just to see what the value of that team would be. That is correct. Yeah. Now, that would be, this is a generous, uh, benevolent owner version of uh, Travis <laughs> Um However, there's there's one that's much more draconian, and uh, there's proof of concept, and that is uh, something that anyone can see, of course, in the BBWAA Hardball Dynasty League, <laughs> where you are uh, owner operator of the Montreal Sacre Bleu, <laughs> and where that's right, where you hoard every last dollar, Travis Sajic. <laughs> Uh, searching for maximum efficiency. Where, you, where uh, I, you know, I can't say even if you have a, a player with more than four years of service time. Uh, Maybe
1: you do. I, I have a few, but I a few. but I, interestingly, in our fake off season, we saw how little interest there was in free agency, mm-hmm. and we see the amount the value teams place on our the pre-arbitration players in our fake world, and that our international market, which has no caps, recently saw a free agent signed for thirty-one million dollars, which is. Uh, a significant amount of money in our in our game, and yep. for, more money that was guaranteed to the vast majority of major league free agents in our fake off season. Mm-hmm. So even in that fake that fake world, very much mirrors the real world as teams try to operate efficiently and get as much production for as as dollars expended. Right. As well, the roster course, spots as I can.
0: Those international free agent slots are uh, are players who are whose uh, peak lies ahead of them, doesn't it?
1: It certainly does.
0: Yeah, and that's that's one of the. Uh, well, that's one of the arguments. For it, that, it seems
1: that yeah, that is your strategy. You, you seem to be hoarding. A, you can't a, say I
0: have a strategy <laughs> so much at the, at the present moment. It certainly involves losing, doesn't it, at the, mo- at, the mo- at the moment.
1: You seem to be following this tanking model.
0: Yeah, tanking heavily. Tanking's easy, <laughs> by the way. Tanking's quite easy.
1: Some are even questioning your zeal for competition. <laughs>
0: oh, wait, who's saying that? Nick Picoro? <laughs> is Nick Picoro saying that?
1: The press. The pre- some the from the, the HBDPA are, <laughs> are w- wondering what you're doing with your your windfall from the advanced media sale. Well,
0: uh, you you know you you were, <laughs> you were speaking of the player who was signed for 31 million dollars, who was ultimately signed by uh, I can I think I can reveal this information. It will show you how player friendly I am to announce the uh, the precise costs expenses of these players. Cito Bonilla was the player, <laughs> and uh, from Santo Domingo. From a fictional version of the Santo Domingo Dominican Republic. And he was signed for $31 million by Zach Buchanan. Of The Athletic. Of, uh, yeah, well... I, right?
1: Did Zach join The Athletic? By default, <laughs> I, by think default you
0: know. I think we can say that. Although, no, I, I don't know. Wait, oh, right, no. A, uh, no, he's still with The Inquirer. Where like. Sorry. Yeah. Trent Rosecrans. He's still a fine Trent guest. Rosecrans joined The Athletic. Yeah, right. So, uh, yes, yeah, Zach Buchanan still of The Inquirer. I'm, so, in, I'm
1: sorry. That was a busy news week. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was Sorry, <laughs> I was busy.
0: I was busy. Yeah, and then um, now who's this? Uh, Matt Gelb. Matt Gelb. Yes, uh, he is the owner operator of the Philadelphia team. Philadelphia One Chairs. I don't necessarily know what that's a reference to. I hope it's not dirty. But he's he's at the Athletic. Uh, formerly of the Philly Inquirer, not Enquirer. Inquirer. He's at the Athletic uh, in Philadelphia, and he signed another player up from. Uh, oh, another big signing. Well, eighteen point seven million. Yeah. Hector Marquez. It turns out, actually, Hector Marquez is not very good, so I was ultimately not that disappointed uh, by that. Yeah,
1: Bonilla looked pretty good.
0: Cito Bonilla. Bonilla. Cito Bonilla. Yeah, he actually ended up better. Um, he's a better, according to my advanced scouts, than he was even according to my international ones. Yeah.
1: I almost... I was one cycle away from getting Benny Profar, but uh, Tim Britton, now at The Athletic, he outbid me, but he was... I guess he was covering a Patriots NFL playoff game, and his phone or something was low on battery, so he wasn't checking in on HPD. So mm-hmm. if he had been one cycle later, I would have gotten Profar because he was conserving battery life. But then he, I guess he was able to get home and recharge his device, and he beat me. Think mm-hmm. stuff like that happens in real life. <laughs>
0: You have to imagine you know I was speaking with uh uh ryan Watt new Fangraphs contributor ryan watt also of uh, also of another other a number of other places including five thirty eight i believe did some he's done some work with Rob Arthur over there if I'm not mistaken yes, a real pleasure to speak with. I had the opportunity to do that. And Ryan was discussing some topics of, of interest to him, and many of them concerned the logistical side of the game. Like, for example, I know how do uh, front office members? What is the correspondence like when discussing a trade? I think that uh, well, I I feel as as Ryan as this is of some interest.
1: Yeah, if, uh, someone did a story that recently about texting and the emojis that are used in trade. I believe chats. Jerry
0: Depoto was the focus of that one. Yeah. does that sound right?
1: Yeah, but that that stuff is interesting. How do they execute a trade? Is it like a uh, CBS sports-style fantasy page where you log all the players up and hit a <laughs> click yes or reject? Yeah. Uh, no. You know you
0: could write a piece on it, uh, Travis, called Anatomy of of a Trade. The, the Anatomy might... of a Trade or Anatomy of a Trade. What do you think that, about that?
1: That would be fun. Yeah. That would probably get some clicks.
0: Oh, it might get some clicks, yeah. 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 Well, you also mentioned, um, like, is there a CBS sports-style, you know, trade – trade utility.
1: I I think there is some sort of internal transaction database. I I think that is true.
0: Well, he was also, Ryan is also curious as to precisely, like, who at MLB, you know, is responsible for the official, for for officially submitting deals. So, you know, because obviously there has to be some sort of central authority that says, officially declare that now Jake Odorizzi is a, is part of the twin system and Jermaine Palacios officially uh, is employed now by the Tampa Bay Rays.
1: Hmm.
0: You know, someone has to do that.
1: Someone of great power. S- yeah, or, I guess so. Or like an intern. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, this would be a good story. Yeah, good Travis, post. you're a baseball writer.
0: I mean, <laughs> just, put this in your no, in your journal, buddy. No, this is Ryan's idea. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those Rays. You know the Tampa Bay Rays, that baseball team. Their trade of Jacob Arizzi. So, so Jaco what? He won arbitration. He got six point three million dollars, right? They didn't want him after that. I guess not. They traded him for a player who's making, you know, more or less zero dollars, and who's pretty far away from the majors. I think because there remain questions both about his offense and defense. (laughs) So those are other than 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 that. that, (laughs) Great, great personality. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, I I mean, his defensive ceiling is relatively high, right? Because he could be he could stick at shortstop, maybe, or could be like a Marcus Semien type in terms of his defensive outcomes. But the offense seems to be—he's done fine, but he's not particularly selective. So there's just a, there's a bit of volatility there. But the, the, this trade came, what, just hours, right, after the team had traded for C.J. Krohn, but in the process had DFA'd Dickerson, who was also getting paid, I think, something in the neighborhood of six million million, four hmm. four or six or something like that. Do, are you aware of this? I am. Okay. I, I, I'm going to have to think that Tampa Bay Rays I have one of the <laughs> lowest— uh, one of the lowest uh, payrolls in in the major They trade, seem
1: they seem concerned about their cash flow. Yeah, maybe they're trying to really sell the public sentiment on this move to, uh, Ybor City. What is
0: it? Uh, what say that name again? Say the thing again. Ybor City. What is, is that? that? Where's Ybor City? Is that how
1: you pronounce it? It's where they're proposing the new. It's where they want to build their new stadium in oh. Tampa. It's like a
0: historic neighborhood in Tampa proper. Yeah, it's like
1: old okay. Tampa, if there is such a thing. <laughs>
0: So, so the idea would be to build it in some place, maybe where where there would be some element of walkability. I think so. Yeah. Uh, okay. There's
1: some entertainment, dining, drinking options in that neighborhood. I think it's actually an inspired location. But yeah, we'll see if it actually happens.
0: Theoretically, inspired, I suppose. Hmm. Hmm. Right. <laughs> I mean, am I right? T- take a look. Why? Yeah, I'm looking G-O-R- at Ybor City. R- Are you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I see it. I, I, I mean, I'm looking at it. Yeah. What do you want me to do about it? I mean, it says historic ebor
1: Yeah, yeah. like old cigar warehouses and rum warehouses and yeah, orange warehouses.
0: A, there's an Ikea nearby. <laughs> there you go. It's got everything you need, really. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know nothing about it. I don't, know where you, I don't know how you build a park. A true idiot is what you have before you, Travis Sajak. <laughs> Yeah, it looks like some of the streets are narrow. You know, I mean, that's, that's I think, largely how you assess walkability, right? You say, how, how narrow are these streets? What are the streets like, right? Narrower streets, human spaces. I believe that's the term that is frequently used in in urban design, to have human, human, spaces, human spaces that are as tall as they are wide. So you have a, a sense that you're, you know, it's sort of like you're walking through, a, this happens in old towns or whatever, old cities. Okay. You ever walked around the old town of Bari, Italy? Th- no. I've, yeah. No. No. You've Never been to Bari, Italy. <laughs>
1: I've been to a few places in Italy, but not there.
0: No. Yeah. Where'd you go? You go to you go to Cinque Terre.
1: I was in briefly in Milan, Lake yeah. Como, Lake Como, and Florence, and that that's the, extent okay. Of the Italian. Okay. All travels. right. But they had human spaces. <laughs>
0: Those places did. Sure. Yeah. So it gives yeah.
1: you a feel that you're uh, what enclosed in a town. Yeah, right. I think so, yeah. Yeah, right. You, you don't feel that this. if you're walking around a strip mall with a wide
0: parking lot. You know, maybe you do when you're out at, uh, what is it called, Crianza Point or whatever? Car- Cro- Crocker Park. Crocker <laughs> Park. Do you feel uh, that out there? There is a bit of a, there's a hint of London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sending you a link right now. And here's just, this is just a typical scene that you get from the old town in uh, in Bari, that's just the old town. You're just walking through the old town there. Oh, do you trace that. your roots here? Yeah, this is where my family's from.
1: Oh, oh, that's that's lovely.
0: Yeah, do you, are you looking yeah.
1: at it? Yeah, it's uh, there's so yeah. Some of the Italian towns up in Como were like this. Belaggio, okay, yeah, Blagio. Sure. yeah the, like this is where you'd film a, a chase scene in a movie with two like little Mini Coopers going down this alley. And then um...
0: sounds like you're actually just describing a particular movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 or yeah, this is a nice place to go. You get. Your fresh produce and bread every day at your local. Now I have to be paper. honest. My family's not actually from Bari
0: up? proper. Okay? We're from Turi. Nearby Turri. Okay. And uh it, why do you leave Yuga. that?
1: Why why would you leave that town?
0: I think that they were so poor <laughs> is one of the reasons. <laughs> they were so poor. There was no um they could not there was no employment there. A mm. Turi is quite is also pretty though too. You know, it's all Southern Italy. It's not quite as nice, but <clears throat> yeah, they were so poor. They were like your peasant, your peasant relatives, you know. <laughs> they, uh, they, yeah, they, they were always there. Was no work there, and then they had to go to. Uh, I think uh, my great grandmother and my great grandfather worked in Austria for a while, and they would kind of go back and forth between Austria and Italy. Was we'll he a blogger? Said, <laughs> 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 no, if he, if he. Uh, <laughs> If he could witness <laughs> what is occurring right now, it would. I think he would slap me. is what he would do. I come over for this. <laughs> no, he. Uh, no, I. I don't. I actually don't really understand what his job was, but I do know that he. I know he grew grapes in his uh, yard in Connecticut, which is which is very romantic oh, to wow. me. Not the Connecticut part so much, but a little bit. A bit of the old world in the new world, right? Yeah,
1: yeah that's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. So there you go. But then my grandfather, because you know he, my great grandfather died when my grandfather was quite young, and uh, my uh, grandfather had to become the man of the house. It's really a story out of the, uh, you know, it's a real American story, real American story, Travis Sajak, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, all our ancestors, I'm sure, would be very proud that we're podcasting today.
0: <laughs> They'd probably be amazed. This is a thing that exists.
1: Yeah, the, they broke their backs so we could have this opportunity. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> let's see. Was there anything? Let me check that. Yeah, no, in terms of. Math, oh, we're getting very close. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. I asked you about Eric Hosmer. That's true. Are you looking uh, at your watch? <laughs> no, no. I, we've got the recording here. I want to make sure. I don't want to keep you for longer than you need to be taken. Anatomy of a Trade, a post that you should write, Travis Uh We talked about. We discussed the Sacre Blue a little bit. Um, I don't know if you had any further uh, comments to that. Uh, to, let's see so we just talked about uh that a little bit okay um yeah i just want to make sure that uh, we've covered cover our uh, basis here i talked to you the other day of course i had to i, I didn't necessarily i occasionally I will provide for you pedantic notes you know about that right yes yeah. yes and uh, I don't know what's your general because you know I work uh, I don't I don't contribute a lot but my job essentially is to uh, put the final the finishing touches on posts before they are they go out to the public
1: and sometimes considerably more than finishing touches makeovers yeah, well, in this, remodeling
0: in this particular case there was uh, there was a table that I redid and I just wanted to make sure it was okay with you and I also I called you in particular to say that you know this is so boring but do not left justify in the leftmost column <laughs> if. If it's like, for example, if it's years, and I went to explain it to you, except you were, you were having too much fun. I I didn't, I didn't want to burden with you. You sounded so, you sounded so at ease when I called you.
1: I was at ease.
0: Yeah. You had escaped the house.
1: (laughs) I had, I had escaped the house indeed.
0: And you were doing some work, I believe, at the, and this is valuable information for my efforts in triangulating your the location of your residence in Bay Village, Ohio. But you were you were passing some time at the Ironwood, is that right?
1: The Ironwood Cafe.
0: Yeah, and I heard you order a second beer as I was on the phone with you. That sounded great.
1: Hey, it is what it is. (laughs) What? uh, No, were you doing work there? We work hard and we play hard at FanGraphs, don't we? Yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember what I was doing other than drinking a few beers yeah, you when just, I was rudely interrupted by a work call <laughs> that I only took because I thought it could be an emergency. <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> um. Now, did, but you, but you took so. Eventually, we cleared up this uh, this issue with regard to the uh, with regard to the table. But now, how do you feel? Because I've now I've now had to call you or bother you a couple times with regard to mention that there have been uh, transactions taking place or which they which appear imminent. Uh, yes. Most recently, with regard to the de Rizzi deal. Yes. Yes. How do you feel responding to that message when you see that in your inbox? Well, as
1: a newspaperman, I was quite accustomed to responding to such messages. Mm-hmm. From demanding editors who <laughs> who had no idea what it was like to have their boots on the ground, in the, in the reporting—it's mm-hmm. hey, part of the job. Yeah. Would I prefer these transactions that happen during the week? Yes. Yeah. But you know, hey, it's it's just baseball writing. So yeah, we took care of it. We got the product out, and we washed our hands of it. Now, at another moment
0: in time, I had to, I believe that uh, I relate to you that Ken Rosenthal was suggesting that Brewer's uh, signing of Lorenzo Cain was imminent. And remember how we had to navigate that, Travis? Uh, because you, you did not just shut
1: up and write it.
0: I don't think <laughs> that's how it went. But I believe you I think you might have been at dinner with your family or something along those lines. Uh, Does that sound familiar? Uh,
1: was I? Uh, that is vaguely familiar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, at one time recently, you you told me in no uncertain terms that a post would be impossible, because <laughs> I think that you had some sort of uh, you had a, I believe you had a date. Oh yes,
1: we yeah. had a uh, we had a night where we had prearranged childcare child care mm-hmm. with my parents, and uh, this was valuable time because we don't <laughs> you know when, once you have a child, you yeah. lose some of your uh, flexibility as <laughs> far as <laughs> so this this was a treasured time. And yeah, yeah,
0: and so you you relate <laughs> to me ahead. In advance, you said uh, Carson. To be perfectly clear, this post—if something occurs tonight—do not turn to Travis Sachik <laughs> in order to have uh, in order to have that written. I did. I, yeah. I cut that one off of the pass. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and you uh, you went downtown. I was able to see. I think sometime it's, it appears there was a street that's close to to automobile traffic. It was a human space. It is a human. Yes. it yeah. is, Yes.
1: Is that what, right, human space? I think human space is the yeah, term, yeah. yeah. But I don't think the, it was the that. The buildings mean. were about as tall as the boulevard was wide.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's a good, I think that's, a, that's the rule of thumb. Yeah,
1: and, okay. uh, you know, it's a good restaurant hopping, bar hopping. Yeah, what East, is it? Like East 4th, four, East 4th. What was I, 2nd Street?
0: 4th Street? Uh, East 4th. 4th Street. Street, I'm yeah. on West 4th right now. And,
1: uh, yeah, it was a good time. And, yeah, we'll, we'll always treasure that evening. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what did you enjoy uh what did you what did you have for dinner you remember
1: uh we went to well we had an appetizer somewhere else and a cocktail and then we went to lola Good, okay. i'd never been there gets for a high you know in the claimed restaurant and <laughs> what were the dishes we had they were one a
0: it's lola bistro yeah, uh, yeah. what a uh, this is a great street view here lola yeah look at that. that is a human space. I'm gonna declare. I declare it. I declare it. Yeah, there's uh, and there's that's next to Mabel's barbecue. It appears, uh, but you went to Lola. Yeah. yeah,
1: the greenhouse we also visited. It was it was a lovely evening. That same
0: night, we did. Yeah. Did you get yeah. a drink beforehand or something? Is that right? Always. Okay, <laughs> it's, it's a proper gentleman. Is that a, is that a strategy you prefer? You go to one place uh, before your reservation, maybe, and get a beverage, and then you you go over to where uh, your actual I
1: I like to hop around. And, yeah, that's nice. right? And sometimes I'll avoid even ordering an entree and just do like three appetizers at three different places or something. Sure, because I like to experience different environments.
0: Yeah, and, no, that's well. Uh, especially as you as you note, time is of the essence as well. Yes. So, uh, no, what do you talk about? It's it's a and of course I'm I'm somewhat new to this right. This phenomena of parenthood, right? And uh, what do you, how, how do you know what to talk about when you go out? You know you. Obviously, you know your wife quite well, but maybe too well in some cases. <laughs> you know do you, do you have a do you have a strategy for talking? Is, or does it come easy to you? I think it
1: comes pretty easy. Yeah. And ironically, we often probably talk a lot about our three year old. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it's our shared interest.
0: One of, yeah, one uh, of the big ones.
1: Yes, one of the big yeah. ones. But I think there's enough going on in the world, and whether it be oh, yeah. politics, perhaps, mm-hmm. with our jobs, with people we know. That now, there's often if you ever enough. start
0: talking about politics with your wife, does she ever she ever put up her hand and say, "Hey, Sachik, stick to sports"? Does <laughs> she ever say that?
1: Uh, she is. We've had some quarrels over the years, but I've never gotten the hand that the stick to sports.
0: Never said, uh, she never said shut stick down. to sports. Yeah. Okay. A couple of just brief announcements here. You'll be happy to know, because I, I know that you're you. Are interested in the goings on of downtown Bath, Maine. Uh, oh yes, you'd be happy to know that the the brewery is opening very soon. Bath Brewing Company. You they have a great <laughs> they have a great Facebook page, Travis. In the, in if you're so inclined. Uh, but Bath Brewing Company will be opening up. I believe, if not by the end of February, then then certainly at the beginning of March. It's it's looking beautiful. Some Edison style bulbs hanging, uh, some church pews that were brought in from an old uh, Catholic church up in um, maybe Newcastle or Damariscata. Looking quite lovely inside. It's it's a it's a great addition to That's front. Wonderful. Street. That's wonderful. Are you wonderful. looking at it? I am not. No. Okay, but you under you can picture it in your head. Yes, I have. A, I don't know if this is the appropriate place to arrange this, but we have to arrange a union meeting for fangraph's writers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great spot.
0: What what for the we were, we would a virtual meeting, I think. Oh I think a virtual actually meeting. meet okay. in person. Yeah. Because we have to just in case we have to picket against David Appelman.
1: I'm a little worried about who am, who in our audience would be willing to cross a picket line to replace us.
0: Oh, you think that there would be there would be willing scabs out there?
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, including those the 600 applicants who we uh, we received for the the posted job listing.
0: Yeah, I think many of I think probably some of them would be willing to. Do you think it would be to our advantage or disadvantage if our salaries were published for the sake of of, <laughs> of the public? What do you think?
1: That's a great question. Uh, yeah. I'm going to refrain from commenting. David
0: Appelman <laughs> has not yet accidentally tweeted out all our salaries. yet. <laughs> I was thinking is if there would it make sense if FanGraphs writers or anyone who writes for the internet, really, was paid according to the cost of living in his or her chosen uh, municipality, right? Um, because on the one hand, I live in an area of Maine that does not cost as much, but you live you live in the fancy west side of Cleveland, so I assume that the things are much more expensive. You're eating out at it, places like Lola, you know? I mean, <laughs> there's probably right. not a restaurant even that nice where I live, you know? Oh, and then, of you're, course, you're not uh,
1: far from Portland.
0: Yeah, and then of course, uh, well, of course, uh, newcomer Jay Jaffe lives in, uh, lives in New York City, where it's more expensive. And I was thinking, would it make sense if salaries were prorated given cost of living? But then I was thinking, well, if, a, if the owner of the site, in this case David Altman, allocated a certain amount of money towards payroll, then here's what would happen. If someone moved from an area with a low cost of living to a high cost of living, then actually everyone else's salaries would have to come down a little bit in order to compensate. And I think that that would be an unpopular decision.
1: <laughs> I think so. Yeah, don't, don't you see that? We'd be doing a lot of recruiting in Alabama. And, uh... I think you'd have to look. You'd have to
0: look at some, or I mean, you could go to other country. I, you know, like Slovenia. I think I don't know if Slovenia is on the euro yet. You know, but if we could find someone from Slovenia,
1: these are too many. I wouldn't be putting these ideas up there, Carson. No,
0: no. We could create a content farm. <laughs> And uh, you could go even further east. It's, you know, if you go Albania or something, I'm sure that uh, cost of living is much lower.
1: You've said too much already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Travis, like you, uh, Sachik, you. You actually correct. I have said too much. Uh, we are over the hour mark, and so uh, what it does. What I will say is, you have fulfilled your obligation to, uh, to Fangraphs Audio.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you as always,
0: Carson. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much, Travis Sajic. Thank you. And I will characterize you as the prolific Travis Sajic. Uh, that has that has been the prolific Travis Sajic. I'm Carson Stoule. This has been Fangraphs Audio.